Welcome back to the flip side, ladies and gentlemen. Galen Clavio here, along with Brian Moritz. This is awkward. This is like, um, it, it's like, um, actually, I, I shouldn't use that example, but <laughs> it's, um, it's, it's like sleeping in somebody else's bed. Let's put it that way. As uh, uh, the, we normally record these with me recording it and Brian on the other end. And we're actually recording it on Brian's computer, even though I'm doing the lead in. So that makes it a little bit not normal, Brian, but I'm still happy to be with you. You know, it, you know, it, it is season three. It's our third go around at this episode. So, you know, and, and really, you know, when you enter the third season, you really need to shake things up a little bit. You really need to start kind of give the audience a little something new, take them. And, and we want to push ourselves creatively. And if that involves me hitting the record button instead of you, then, you know, I think that I think this is a really good way to creatively push ourselves as we enter a third season. As, I mean, a, as opposed to you know recording two, failing to record two shows in back to back weeks, um, hasn't pushed us already. But well, I mean, I, it wasn't that we failed to record them. The the first one recorded, it just was of of such terrible uh, sonic quality that we didn't want to sully our reputations with it. And then uh, the one last week was a wonderful sixty minute recording of me. <laughs> And me alone. So, you know, I mean, it hasn't been all lost. No, I mean, as you said last week when you texted me, like it's, fa- it's it must have been fantastic performance art. But as far yes. as podcasting goes, probably not best. But we are we are back. Hopefully the sound quality holds out. The recording works on my end. And uh, and, and, and we get this back. Um, and we have some good internet topics um, for this internet podcast. Um, a couple from from friends and listeners, a couple coming from Twitter, a couple coming from Facebook. Um, and we have really, I think, I, I think a vital question that we're going to be answering people today that I posed to you earlier today and somebody else had posed on Twitter too. Um, so, that, so that's good. But before we get to, uh, before our topics du jour and, uh, and, help, and get around to helping people, what are you, uh, what's your beverage tonight? Well, my beverage is Orange Fanta because I'm also having uh, a classic import of azithromycin today. Oh, so uh, right. it's probably best to lay off the alcohol for this week. Probably for the best, yes. So um, and now I'm going to have the Fanta jingle in my head the entire time we're recording here. <laughs> um, I won't sing it, don't worry. But I am going with, uh, since it's fallen, we have our first frost warning oh, in uh, western New York tonight. Um, I'm going with the uh, Saranac Pumpkin Ale. Um, which I got for my birthday last week, and it's pr- pr- less pumpkiny than than Saranac has been in the past. Saranac brewed in the Adirondacks up here. Um, yeah, in, in the past their pumpkin ale has been very pumpkiny, very sweet, almost kind of like a syrupy, very heavy on the pumpkin. And this sure. is a little less. It's a little more cinnamon, a little more nutmeg, a little a little more kind of fall Oktoberfest than full on pumpkin beer. Um, which is good because the as uh, pumpkin beer is kind of rocketed out of hand i feel for a little bit i mean they're still big but i i feel there's been kind of a comeback of the good kind of fall beer Oktoberfest harvest type beer rather than just dumping straight pumpkin into everything which i think is good so i just i don't get the pumpkin thing i don't have a problem with it but it's like with the beer thing especially like what what is it about a gourd that you find appealing in your beer, like if we just made you like a, a squash beer at some point during the year, would you be down with that? I mean, I'd try it, but so it's here's the thing though: it's not pumpkin. 
the, 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 the flavor is not pumpkin that people are interested in. And my wife points this out. The flavor is what? Cinnamon? Yes. the cin- Yes, absolutely. I mean, well, then why don't I just call it cinnamon beer? <laughs> why, why do we have to perpetuate this, this stupid pumpkin myth? Because the pumpkin has nothing to do with it. Like, it's like, it's like you eat pumpkin pie. You're not really eating pumpkin pie. You're eating sugar pie with orange food coloring. In no, it, that's, th- no, no, that's a lie. Pumpkin pie is the, is the finest, is among the finest of the pies. But, oh, come um, on. No. Okay, that's fine, but it, you, it can be fine in, in the pies, but it's, I mean, well, pumpkin itself has very little flavor. The thing that you like about the pumpkin pie or the pumpkin beer is the other flavors that are going along with its coloring of orange. You, you know, I, 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 I do think a lot of the problem is, is what Big Pumpkin has done to the flavor and how it became the thing. Like, so we start off in, in like the order. This is not the food topic we have today, but this is a good one. So in the order of like acceptable things with pumpkin flavoring, obviously pumpkin pie, top of the list. Second, you get good pumpkin bread, pumpkin muffins. Again, very, very, very natural, feels very good, very seasonal. The pumpkin beer, yes, it's more cinnamon, more nutmeg, but it, you know, when done well, I feel like it's pretty good. I, th- I feel like there's a, uh, a very fine line between doing it Fair, doing it well, the, the dogfish head pumpkin is usually very good. The southern tier pumpkin is usually very good, but it's easy to go off the rails on it. But then, you know what? It's it's both. We can blame both Big Pumpkin and Dunkin' Donuts, I think, for it. Um, for the for the uh, or, or Starbucks, Starbucks, which yes, um, for the uh, the uh, the pumpkin spice the, the pumpkin spice latte, which is really um, if my wife listened to this, she'd be so angry. But um, it would really it's, it, it's somehow it's the only thing that could make. Personal seat licenses, not the worst thing with the acronym PA. So. <laughs> That's pretty good. Um, but yeah. Um, my, and my, my wife informs me that the, the spices that we think of as pumpkin are actually cinnamon, nutmeg, ginger, and allspice. Okay. And, and- so that's. Yeah, that's well, the fab four there. Uh, well, and, and you and, and you know, would you and, and you can have a cinnamon, nutmeg, ginger, allspice beer. I don't think you know that that that's not going to fit on a label. So if they combine to a pumpkin esque flavor, I, you know, you make the move, you go pumpkin, and and there you go. You you did. I know you were joking about big pumpkin, but now <laughs> you've got me looking up agricultural commodities to see who exactly big pumpkin is, and actually. <laughs> Uh, it's actually the Nestle Corporation, of course, uh, who owns who owns Libby's, and uh, according to this statistic that I'm looking at, uh, Libby's have almost 90 percent of the North American market for canned pumpkin, with 90 percent of it being sold in only a four month period. So, mm-hmm. um, so buy local, folks. I think is the big lesson there. Absolutely, uh, buy local. I don't think there's a big pumpkin as far as. Like, like the jack-o'-lantern market, but I could be wrong. I mean, I, that that would be the, that would be an interesting thing to look up. Um, the the what the comparison between pumpkin flavoring, pumpkins for flavoring, and pumpkins for jack-o'-lanterns, or um, I mean, you yes. got and you got the decorative pumpkins too. That's what we do for fall. We just buy the we buy pumpkins and we we carve them closer to Halloween. But we have just like several pumpkins out in front of our house, uncarved, sitting. Um, I think I I I don't know if. Um, we seem to have a lot of pumpkin patches around here. I don't know if that's a New York thing or if it's just we're near farmland and pumpkins grow in farms. I don't know. Um, but this is I d- interesting. Do you know what? Do you know what the biggest pumpkin producing country in the world is? Oh, this is gonna be good. Let's see. Um, not Ecuador. Um, it's, not, it's not Ecuador. <laughs> it's actually kind of it's a kind of a boring country to be honest with you, as far as this is concerned. Mexico. 
No, not even in the top five. Okay. Um, hmm. Huh. Wrong climate, I would think. Wrong climate. Yeah, I'm gonna go Canada. Not also not in the top five. Because oh. trust me, if they were we're in the top five, Canadians would be sure to let us know about. Uh, it. We would, yeah, <laughs> they would. Um, <clears throat> like nothing, um, nothing, nothing that can no, no statistic that Canada appears in 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 any form uh, exists without some Canadian telling us that they are ranked in that. That's good. Um, so, huh? Yeah. So, so it, it, is it in Europe? Or is it? No, it's China. Really? China is the leading producer of pumpkins. They produce. Uh, this was now the. This was eight years ago, but 6.35 million metric tons of pumpkin. Well, that's, uh, that's not something I almost double, almost double uh, the, the number two producer, which is India. India, okay, and uh, and that's they're followed by the Russian Federation, mm-hmm. and then they're followed by the United States, who's fourth. We produce about 790. Thousand metric tons of pumpkin, and then the fifth one, and this is probably the one I'm the most surprised by Egypt. Egypt is the fifth largest pumpkin producing country in the world. Big, so, pum- big, pum- big pumpkin has its as its tentacles all the way to Egypt. I don't like where this is headed because now they're going to get into the Middle East and thing. But you see, China number one. This is why we need to make America pumpkin again. This, well, I mean, you know, this is the, uh, this is if there's a if there's a NAFTA for pumpkin. <laughs> I think that we need to we need to renegotiate it. I, there's no way we should be fourth. No, no, that that that's absolutely unacceptable. And it doesn't even sound like you like pumpkins. But on the principle of it alone, we need to we need to keep this going. Well, I mean, you know, I'm I'm a red blooded American, same as you. So you know, I don't want to see us fall behind to to our overseas competitors in pumpkin production. I mean, that should be our corner. Right. Absolutely. Even if I don't like, even if I don't like what's on the corner. Like I'm not a big fan of apple pie, but I still want us to be the leading producer of apple pie i feel like i should have known all your, your anti-fruit pie bias before we started this podcast no no, no. Okay. i i love i love che- i love cherry pie okay. i love what, what are the fruit pies do i love <laughs> i love berry berry pies in general huge okay. berry pie fan okay um yeah i love a uh, peach pie is good i just i i think i think apple pie pie is just boring and and i think most people's love of apple pie is actually love of apple apple pie crust okay. because it's encased in sugar and cinnamon okay you say and, all those and, and, and the spice you say all those things like encased in sugar is a bad thing i don't understand this, this no 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 no, no. I, okay and and i don't want you to misinterpret the same thing with i feel the same about pumpkin pie and pumpkins as i do about apple pies okay um in that our love of it is not the the fruit it's the spice and the sugar that goes in and around the fruit. That's fair. And so if I want to, you know, that's why I like the cherry pie. Because even though that's pretty sugary, it's still pretty much cherry flavoring. You know, it's like the, the flavor is the actual thing. An unadorned apple pie is not that good by itself. Like there has to be things in it that make it more appealing to the average person. Okay. And and I feel the same way about pumpkin pie. And so, um, yeah, that's... That, I think it's a it's a it's a hill I'm willing to die on. That's fair. Well, you you and actually Mike Schur, Ken Tremendous from Fire Joe Morgan, he has been in, on podcasts saying he how he he thinks all hot fruit is gross. Um, so you two, I mean, 
I mean, yeah, you, you two can be on that, on that hill together. Um, so a lot has happened since um, we actually published, recorded and published the full podcast. Um, I remember last time we were talking, it was just before the first debate, and it was a close presidential race. Um, and it, was, it looked like we, we were in a dead statistical dead heat. And that kind of lends us to our first question, which we can dispense of pretty quickly from friend and non-listener of the show, Jared Pavensi. What is the best way to, and let me get this quote right, I'm reading, this is what he said, what is the best way, let me get this quote right, grab them by the pussy. Wow, so, you actually went all the way to that. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I didn't. I didn't. Uh, uh, Jared did. Um, so, I mean. Oh, yeah. Blame blame the audience. Uh, yeah, always. That's the, yeah. <laughs> always. <laughs> he, actually, technically, he's not in the audience because he doesn't listen. But um, so, so yeah, last time we, we published, it was it was on the eve of the first debate, and, and it was a close race. And now. Um, not really. No, no, no. Um, it. La- debacle, I believe, is kind of the word I think I, I think they go for. Like it was weird. I was talking about this in one of my classes today because, like, the first debate. In look, I'm a Hillary supporter. I'm very anti-Trump. No surprises. The, so the first debate, it was like, it, it, it was you know very interesting and it was almost fun and it was more th- it was th- compelling political theater and it was really a make or break thing. And yesterday, from the outset, even just what was on the debate, not including the the what Trump did beforehand with with the Bill Clinton uh, women, but it, it just it felt so. The word I just keep coming back to, and I'm, I'm interested in your take on this. The word I keep coming back to with it is just gross. Like the whole thing just felt really icky, and not in and not in where the first one was just maybe just as mean felt mean spirited, but this one just kind of felt icky and gross um like i was i had to get up and i was cleaning our kitchen while watching it midway through because i'm like i can't just sit here and watch this this is very uncomfortable um and yeah so i'm interested in what your your take on because we talked a little bit about the first one but contrasting the two and yesterday well it was it was a dumb debate it was you know and and i'm not type of person that likes to sit here and say oh you know they were both terrible as if i'm trying to like create some kind of moral or 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 intellectual equivalency Mm -hmm. but they were both really terrible uh now i think the difference was um trump came from a far lower spot to begin with Mm -hmm. um and look i mean from a from a civic discourse or civil discourse perspective uh, I think there's a strong case to be made that what Trump did in that debate was um, w- w- was not a good thing for you know the the political discourse now or in the future because he basically I think realized early on that the tenor of the debate was going to be um, hard for him to keep up with unless he pivoted and tried to get his followers riled up by right. talking about a bunch of things regarding Hillary that are floating around, some of which have been debunked, some of which, you know, have some some kernels of truth to them. And so what ends up happening there, I think, is, um, you know, it ends up just making it not worth it, – it's not worth anything. Yeah. I mean, it's worth something from a from a purely political 
theater spectacle, but in terms of like a debate, I mean, I look, I'm not a huge fan of the town hall debate format anyway. No, I think it's, it's a, it's a contrived piece of nonsense mm-hmm. for the most part, like having people up there asking questions. Um, but, but, you know, it was especially contrived nonsense in this particular setup, you know, but look, I mean, ultimately I, I think that Trump, had a terrible first 30 minutes he had a fairly decent last 60 minutes mostly because hillary did not do a good job of capitalizing on what was an incredibly weak opponent at that point mm-hmm. and you know and i and i you know but i think that you know i mean I'm, rather than talking about the strategy or the uh, or the political realities of the debate if we're just talking about the the content as it sits yeah i mean look it it's it was a perfect crystallization of all of the things wrong with this particular election mm-hmm. and the way that it's been conducted and you know look i mean i've 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 long since kind of stopped paying attention to the the individual things being said because frankly my mind's pretty much made up and i'm not going to sit around and get overly outraged about what somebody like what you know what Trump says or does because that's that's what he's got at this point. Like I right. mean, part of the problem is I think there's been an overabundance of attention paid to how like what's the next outrageous thing he's going to do. Which then then we turn around and we have people in the media complaining about how we've normalized Trump. And it's like, well, when you keep giving the guy coverage every time he does something, right? Or when you keep reacting to what he does as opposed to just being like, look. I know this person is going to do stuff that's stupid. I'm not going to pay attention to it mm-hmm. uh, or, or give it much mind. Like that's, I guess that's where I've been really since the first debate. Like I, I wanted to see in the first debate, was Trump going to take anything about the election seriously? And it was obvious that he wasn't. And mm-hmm. so it's like, you know, what's gone on in the last week just hasn't surprised me. The tape didn't surprise me. No. The, 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 what happened in the debate didn't surprise me. Um, but I'm almost at a point where it's like, I'm, I'm a little bit weary of people acting like every day is eroding the Republic. Right. Uh, you know, I feel like the, the constant, I'm trying to think of the word for this even, but the, the constant noise surrounding the Trump campaign and what they're doing and the the clucking about the the discourse and about the the words being spoken i mean i think on the one hand you can say this is this is awful and this is something that needs to be avoided but on the other hand you know every day i read uh or or hear on television people many of whom are hillary supporters talking about how like this is somehow you know, going to like permanently damage political discourse in the U S and I just, I mean, I, I yeah. don't see it. I just, I think it's, I think that sort of alarmism, you know, is, is a problem. And frankly, you know, what it's, what it, what, what I feel like it's doing to a large degree is it's, it's like, it's aiming the, the, the fire hose of, of shame at Trump supporters thinking that that's somehow going to stop like, them. Yeah. Stop, not just stop them, but like show them the error of their ways and they're going right. to come around and somehow be like, you're right, we have to renounce this person. And it's like, <laughs> that's, that's not, that's not how this works. Right. And, and so uh, that's, what's getting me now. It's like the, that debate last night was, it was a, it was a, a, a stupid spectacle, but it's exactly what I would expect from Trump at this right. point. And it's not going to erode his base. His base is his base. Right. It's just not going to get him any additional votes. So right. it's like, 
why constantly give the showman the ring if that's the end game? Yeah, it's um, I mean, it's you know, I I, I too don't like the uh, the kind of moment, you know, what does this mean? And for our political discourse, and this is a terrible moment. I was listening to the five thirty eight post show post game show on the way to work today, and which is fabulous, really good. Uh, generally speaking, really good. But they were talking today. The last, uh, ba- the last uh, segment of it was kind of like what this means for the republic. You know what this means, like in general, like for like what it's in- last night and the the like fake press conference beforehand, and you know the, they and um, and they were talking like in really serious, like it was really potentially damaging. And now I understand that that was recorded live in the immediate aftermath. So, you know, there's no, there's kind of like, you know, you're kind of taking face value at it, um, immediate reaction. But I always want to say, like, we've never, you know, to talk, and this is going back, a lo- you know, maybe 10 years. We've never been so polarized. We're so polarized. Well, A, there was a civil war. So, yeah. you know, um, no. But also, like, the, the talk about political discourse, and it's going to sound cliche and, and hipstery because it's about Hamilton, but the sitting vice president shot the former secretary treasury in a duel and killed him. That really, That's the thing that really happens. So, there's a minor scuffle. I mean, <laughs> only a flesh wound. But it, 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 it but it, um, but you know, so like Donald Trump bringing out people who allegedly were sexually assaulted by Bill Clinton, you know, it's icky and gross. But yeah, is it this like bigger point of ruining political discourse? No, Trump's a walking co- Facebook comment section. I mean, people have been making that claim, you know, making that for a year now, and it's not, you know, I I, I did find it. Well, more- go ahead. Sorry. It's more than that. It's not just that he's a walking Facebook comment section. People like the, the the political class keeps acting shocked that Trump isn't doing things that normal politicians do, right. not following following the normal conventions of, of politicians. He's not a normal. He's not a politician, right? Like, I mean, he's 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 a he's just this weird like brand amalgamation that happens to exist in human form mm-hmm. that has decided that he's going to run for president and happened to find a party that had zero organization going into an election. And, you know, it's like Democrats can laugh about this, but it, what if this was 1972 or 1976? Like uh, Trump in a different era could have easily waltzed into that side right. of things. And, and I don't know if he would have gotten the, the nomination necessarily, but he probably could have gotten some votes. I mean, right. this is this is one of those phenomenons where – Here's a guy who's – he's got no – the only thing that's got him a base in the Republican Party, frankly, is the fact that he's the Republican nominee now. Right. And and I think that all of the, uh, the angst that we're hearing from certain circles about this being like the, the – the, you know, the – uh, an opening of, of like a dark, a black hole of American politics that's going to consume things. I mean, I just don't see it. I don't. I don't see. I don't see the population. Like all these. Uh, one of the big things, you know. Well, the Trump supporters are unstoppable, and and you know everybody's afraid to afraid to deal with them. I mean, look. I'm sorry. These. It's not like these people 
this isn't like The Walking Dead. Like these people didn't just rise up from the ground in in April and and now they're roaming the earth and it's like we've never dealt with this before. I mean, these are the same people that voted in the 2012 election. Right. It's... They're the same people that voted in the 08 election. Like the, the this group has existed and the idea that somehow they're going to be an unstoppable force in American politics because of Trump, it's just it's ludicrous. It's it's like it's a it's a complete misreading of American political history. No, and to me, you know, as, as the northeast liberal liberal nerd up here um i think that the scary thing is for me and on, on the left side is you're you know trump's gonna trump's gonna get annihilated next month i mean it's the writing's on the wall it's gonna be a blowout he's gonna lose um what's scary is when in 2016 you know i don't think you know trump won't run again he might make noise about it but i don't think he will but you get someone like a mike pence or someone who is Policy or Ted Cruz, who policy-wise is maybe even worse than 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 Trump, and I made this argument before. Like Trump's a carnival barker. Like he's you know he's saying he's you know throwing meat to the comment section. That's what he does. But you know the you know the 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 most damning tweet I saw after the tape came out was, um, I forget who it was. It was I think it was just a random person who said Donald Trump is the face of women. Donald Trump is the face of every woman who ever, man who ever raped you, but Mike Pence is the is every judge who ever let that dude off. And so that's kind of when he gets scary and someone like like a Pence or a Cruz. I'm using them because they're contemporary figures. But they they could have a very radical right-wing kind of platform that throws red meat to the to the Trump people. But they're going to be they're not going to be Trump. They're going to be smoother. So they're going to they're going to kind of appeal to the to the bigger base and i just feel like you know charlie pierce has written about this for a long time like trump is not this surprising thing trump is everything that that the the right has stood for for a long time he's just basically a lot of it he's just i agree i don't agree i don't agree i i look i i've seen that that narrative pushed a lot and i look i understand some of the antecedents of where it comes from but i you know I feel like some of it is a bit of wish fulfillment on the part of, of people from the left side of the political spectrum, uh, you know, acting like this is like the, the chickens coming home to roost. Right. And I, I'm not sure that I particularly agree. I mean, the there, there is no real cut or dry cut and dried like Republican ideology be, that that is entirely based in um, the things that Trump is putting forward. Like a lot of what Trump is putting forward, frankly, is not. Uh, typical Republican ideology at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fact that he is tapping into an angry, xenophobic group of people is, again, certainly not something that's been limited to Republicans over the course of time, and certainly not over the course of the of the last four or five electoral cycles. I mean, this is something that's that's jumped in and out uh, quite a bit. And as far as you know, this being the death knell for the Republicans because it's what the, it's the seeds that they've sowed over the course of the last. You know, I don't know. Thirty years, I've heard the 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 number named. You know, look. I mean, over the last thirty years, um, <clears throat> Republicans have had control of the White House for what fourteen of those thirty years. So almost exactly half, and they've had control of uh, one or both houses of Congress for a long period of time as well. I mean, the biggest the big issue, I think, and and this is. In the rush to to throw an ideological bent on this, I think this is where a lot of people are missing it. The, the simple fact of the matter is, the the electoral math has changed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I'll, I heard this on a podcast. I think it was on the five thirty eight podcast. 
in in nineteen eighty eight, George Herbert Walker Bush won fifty eight percent of the elect of the of the of the white vote. Mm-hmm. Mitt Romney won fifty eight percent of the white vote in two thousand and twelve. Right. In nineteen eighty eight, George H W Bush won like four hundred and six electoral votes. Four twelve. Rom- uh, yeah. 412 and Romney in 2012 won like 200. Right. Uh, like that's that's the issue is that mm-hmm. the, that 58 percent of the white vote just doesn't do what it did 25, 30 years ago. And 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 you know the 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 idea that what you're seeing manifesting itself in in the Republican voter base right now is some kind of of really deep seated racial or or gender animosity. I mean, certainly there are some people for whom that is a major thing, but I think a lot of the people that are supporting Trump, frankly, would, would frankly have supported any Republican candidate that was nominated. Um, So the idea that, that uh, all these people that are voting for Trump, uh, you know, that, 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 that being the block is going to lead to the the ruination of the Republican party. I just don't see it. I don't, I mean, it's, it, to me, it's very, there's very little difference between this and what's happened with the democratic party and the times when it's gotten walloped in the general election and people have sat around and said, well, this is the end of, I mean, hell at 2006 or 2005, Carl Rove and and that crew were talking about a permanent Republican majority. Mm -hmm. Like I I just, things don't turn that quickly. Right. So we actually have a, a just uh, submitted question, and it relates to the debate. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll pivot away from that pivot. Hey, debate term. This is from uh, my, my friend Mike McGinnis, host of the excellent Swift Pod podcast, worth listening to. Um, he wants us to talk about the magnificence of Ken Bone taking over the Internet today. You know, I'm, I'm actually disappointed that I didn't get to bring this up myself. But, okay. uh, yeah, the, the, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, no, the, the Ken Bone thing is fascinating. A, I was, yeah. my uh, my wife went to bed last night before the uh, before the debate was over, and uh, I was trying to fill her in a little bit on it today. Um, mm-hmm. I was actually worried for the guy because, generally speaking, when the internet latches on to a a somewhat overweight white guy schlubby, with a goofy sweater, yep, schlubby looking white dude, they uh, they it, it just they just savage the guy. I mean, it's it is it is one of the many mean aspects of social media that doesn't get talked about very much because it's acceptable to make fun of fat people mm-hmm. uh you know and i'm i'm happy that at least so far that hasn't happened yeah. and, and for whatever reason this ken bone phenomenon has become like one of the most charming things that's happened in the on the internet in 2016 like it's it, really really remarkable it is it's one i was talking to one of my students today about it when they brought it up and it's just so nice that like Everyone's fun, having fun with it and nice about it. Like they're not really picking the, you know, they're laughing at, they're laughing kind of with him. And he, you know, he seems from all I can see like a good sport. Like he was wearing red because he split his pants and had to change his outfit, which is just right. the best story of. And you know, you know, you you have this debate, you know, this debacle of a debate that we we're talking about, and it's just gross and nobody feels good. And then you see, you know, Ken Bone in his red sweater there, and I do like that he was getting all all the love for the disposable cameras when everybody had one because I, 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 I assume because cell phones were, were not allowed so they kind of give out disposable camera that's what i heard like you have to deposit your cell phone at the door or they take your phone or so to take pictures you get a disposable camera um i don't know if that's true or not but i like that but i i also like the idea of ken bone walking around with a disposable camera and still taking it to like target to get the, <laughs> to get to get um 
Target. We 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 get our pictures developed at CVS here. Oh, CV- all about, right. Yeah, yeah. he you know Ken Bone would be he'd be a Walgreens. I think he'd be a Walgreens guy. Um, but no, it, it it is cool. And and look, I mean, he's been on CNN and mm-hmm. he's responding on Twitter. I mean, like people. I, I was looking at his Twitter feed earlier. And, is that really him? Yeah, it's really okay. him. And you know, I, I like he. Someone asked him like how he felt about the fact that people said they were going to write his name in for president, and he's like, you know, well, even though I look older, you know, it's because I'm I'm fat and uh, and and uh, bald. I'm actually only thirty four. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like it just seems the guy's got a charming lack of guile that ends yep. up actually being really endearing. And look, it's I mean, in that whole morass of yesterday, it was cool to see like something pop up out of it that was just unusual and interesting. And so that's that's uh, my hats off to the guy. Yeah. His his sweater type is now sold out. Amazing. Uh, Darren Ravel just tweeted that like you can get it if you if you get double XL or bigger, but it's Which sold you got, out. Right. Yeah, sold out small through XL. So amazing. <laughs> the internet, man. It, 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 it's uh, yeah. So we have the uh, so the double topic that we have that I threw out to you after seeing Andy Glockner tweet this out, and then Tilly in Bloomington at Big Licious T. Okay, we see. I'm saying a lot of weird things today, but anyway, Tilly, <laughs> Tilly in Bloomington tweeted at us. And um, and uh, like I said, Andy Glockner had a list on this too. I thought this was right in our wheelhouse, so perfect. Worst candy. So I thought about this, mm-hmm. and I think I want you to answer first. Dang it, damn it. <laughs> All right. So I, I, I did give this a lot of thought, too, and I, and I have a couple of links to uh, worst Halloween candies of all time that we'll throw in show notes for this. Um, and, like, so so looking at – I'm gonna, I'll am gonna i read off Andy Glockner's list because mine is actually on here. Um, okay. So he, going in the order that he listed, one black licorice. Which, all right. I can I – can, I, 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 have I no, like black liquor a have, lot. I have, no, I have no strong feeling on that. Number two, knuckle wafers, and I'll agree with that one. They're just very kind of powdery and and just not. Um, three, he had the, those wax bottles you had to bite open to drink the gross juice, and I had to think really hard to remember that, but I do remember that. Um, and those weren't very See, good. some of some of us were smart enough to never touch those in the first place. <laughs> well, well, like I, I was wrestling. Like, how do I deal with candies that I know people complain about, but I would never have actually eaten myself? Right. Number four, paper dots, not that great. Number five is actually my le- probably where I would rank where I would go with, with the worst candy is bit of honey. Um, okay. Just that 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 like caramel esque honey chunk of. And it always, if it gets any warm, it's like completely the the paper will get stuck to it. Um, right. Yeah. It's it's like a caramel, but there's it, there's just there's no need for it. There's no at all, no demand for it. Nope. Honey on itself, delicious, wonderful thing to add. But nobody says, hey, let's make a caramel out of honey, wrap it in plastic wrap, and then eat it. Nobody calls for that. I think it's worse than candy corn. Um, I that's it. What else? The other thing I'm not a huge fan of, and my uh, my daughter just got this a few weeks ago. And I was reminded with how much I don't like it. The Lickamade, the 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 it's like it's basically like a pixie stick in a pouch, and they give you like the plastic yeah. spoon. Like there's no the, the 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 joy of the pixie stick, and what makes that great is it's basically crack cocaine. In the you pour right. it down, you freebase that. You just dump it, you you, 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 you you slam it, and you get the rust. But look at me, you got to try to scoop it out, and it's not even a spoon. It's like literally a styrofoam 
stick, it points. Right. So I'm going to go bit of, bit of honey and look and look made as my two worst candies out there. Okay. So so I had three that I, I thought about a lot. And I thought, you know, I mean, a lot of people have, you know, there, there's like the standard ones that hit the top of this list that I don't agree with, okay. frankly. So I've tried to go a little bit... Um, okay. A little bit different. So than, your your standards are like your candy corns, um, stuff like that. Which which I actually think candy corns a bit underrated. Um, I, I have know, I, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't mind it. I don't think it's. I don't think it's. It's not my favorite in the world. But I mean, it's got a unique flavor to it, and it's just not. It's not terrible. Okay. Uh, in my opinion, at least. My wife contributed Mike and Ike. She she feels that Mike and Ike have no flavor. Okay. Um. So that was her pick for least Mike favorite. And Ike, that's, okay. I can I can yep. Um. So mine uh, it ended up coming down to three. Uh, um. And the first one that uh, that really occurred to me is is one that I don't think a lot of people really think about that often but atomic fireballs i actually think huh. that those are like the biggest waste of time because they're not that hot first of all okay that the hot wears off very quickly and then you're not really left with anything worth having right that's a good like, point yeah it's a, it's a very one tool player like yeah. i mean it would not make a major league roster if it were, if the major leagues were made of candy no no that's it, it tops um, out at single a like has actually it would flame out at double a flame out see what i did there but it like it would have a very a very strong at uh at uh at single a but then when you get when you get to double a can't do anything yeah i can't do anything so right um the the second and i and actually I, I had a different one in this in this second spot, and I actually backed it out. Um, my original second was bazooka gum, which okay. which I decided to not put in because it's it's gum as opposed to candy, and I think there should be a distinction between those two. Absolutely, but I will say bazooka gum is is the worst gum on the planet. Like mm-hmm. I would argue that it is worse than baseball card gum, and that's hard to do. Well, because baseball card gum at least has the nostalgia, like it's terrible, but you know you're getting terrible gum, right. and it, yeah, so. But I mean, bazooka gum is just, it's incredibly hard. It doesn't mm-hmm. have much flavor to it. And the flavor that it does have disappears almost completely, like immediately. Right. Um, so there's, so, but that's not my number two. I would, okay. that would have been it. But no, okay. my number two, okay. but yeah, honorable mention. It, well, it, it leads the gum category. Sure. Let's put it that okay. way. Um, those, those, those taffy, the, bl- the, the black and orange taffies, like the, the ones in the black or orange. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cont- like those were just, Never good. Like t- taffy is a tough one from a candy perspective because mm-hmm. you know, like even like, like somebody gets some saltwater taffy and like two thirds of it is inedible, basically. Right. Um, and so those just always looked awful, and they didn't taste particularly good either. And and I think that the presentation just w- was gross. Like the 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 I I'm 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 down with like black and orange as the the color scheme for halloween i get how that works but i'm not down for whatever reason that particular color combo the, the way that those wrappers kind of melded together really like freaked me out okay but my third and i, and I don't think that this one is 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 negotiable but the, the candy necklace to ah, me okay. is, the, is the worst one because it's the only real candy that isn't wrapped right. which is already that already makes it gross it's like okay like i if i'm going to give me candy at least put the candy in a damn wrapper so that i know that it it hasn't been like sullied by your hands or something like that okay. so so you got that going on and then the actual like we complain about neko wafers being too chalky 
And yet, those are just—they're the, straight powder, is what they are. Yeah, they're not. Yeah, they're just. They're, and it's not even good tasting stuff. They're, they don't have the, the sweetness or the sourness that you would hope for in that sort of a candy. They're just kind of there, right. and 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 it's a really insulting. And it's like, and particularly if you're a dude and you're not really into necklaces, like what incentive do you have to want to eat that in the first place? That's a good point. Yeah, I mean, I mean, they're fun when you have you know when you have a kid and you have a daughter and they're fun to like put them on, but that they're not lasting long, you know, and they're not. Well, if, if if I was if I was rating candy based upon its its adornment properties, I would not have candy necklace as the worst. That's true. But, okay. But if we're talking about just straight up eating, which I assumed that was what we were right. going after, I I to me that's the that's the lowest of the low. That uh, all right, and that's a fair point. That's a that's that's a really fair. Yeah, it, it is interesting to see how many um when because when, when you look at bad candy, what you're seeing, I think, in the theme is like the chalky flavor. So like right. like the necklace, the knuckle wafer, or like. The weird kind of toffee, honey, caramel thing, like the bit of honey or the candy corn, which I know you like, but it's always on the list, or your 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 black and orange toffees, like like they they just don't seem like there there's not that wide appeal, like a Werther's original. I don't see having like a huge widespread th- that huge wide wide appeal to it. Um, my wife's contribution, by the way, I texted her while you were having your list. She went with the Mounds Bar. As the worst because it's mm. as the uh, the all the all the coconut that you don't want, but at least it, but but without the almond that comes in almond joy, so you don't even get the nice little almond that you would get in the almond joy. You just get chocolate wrapped, uh, you know, chocolate and coconut, and it's not yeah. Co- coconuts I have a I have a complicated co- coconuts the avocado of the candy world basically. <laughs> like I mean it's it's never great on its own. It's always what it accompanies. Yeah, like, that's a good point. Yeah, like you know like snowballs are actually they're. they're pretty good for huh. for diabetes bombs but you know but they're but you know but they're good not because of the coconut but they're, they're good because the coconut's like a topping for the marshmallow it, yes, it's an accoutrement as like a topping or like a very light yeah. you know accoutrement it's very it, it, it can work but you know yeah you start making it the main ingredient and i'm not seeing it yeah so. um you know, I will say there there are a couple of candies i thought were underrated candy corn was one of them okay the other one is milk duds. I actually, I actually think milk duds get a bad rap sometimes, mm-hmm. and and that like that whole family of like caramel chocolate candies, mm-hmm. whether it's that or Rolos. I mean, that's that's like a real. It's like a that's a Rolos that's a, are that's a, solid. Yeah, that's a power. That's a powerhouse area of candy. It really is. The chocolate caramel combination is really really strong. The only problem is. You get a bad one or a bad batch where the caramel's gone hard or the chocolate's a little too hard True. underneath it, then it's high risk, high reward. But I think yeah. there is a, you yeah. know, for mine, you know, it's, I'm not going to call it underrated because it's super famous, but a lot of people diss it. And I got to tell you, I love a plain Hershey bar. Hmm. Okay, so that's interesting, and I've I've gone back and forth on this. Like on the one hand, I've grown up eating Hershey bars, right? So I'm used to the flavor. But as as has been pointed out to me on numerous occasions. Um, the, the flavor of Hershey's chocolate is actually kind of sour. Huh. Like, like it's almost like if you, if you eat Hershey chocolate versus like, uh, a Ghirardelli chocolate or something like that, like something that that's like, like just made in a, a more like a different way. 
you start to notice there's a sourness to the Hershey's chocolate, and I huh. and I'd never noticed it till someone told me about it. Huh. And now it's hard for me to eat a Hershey bar because I notice it every time. Now. Huh. I hope this doesn't ruin Hershey bars for me. If it, if I, it does, you can blame the Reddit thread that I. Was <laughs> Um, I will say this. The one last thing I'll say on the candy front. I've got this brought all this information out of us, you know, like this. This was what fired us up. Uh, (laughs) The the you know, I was trying to think back to like trick or treating and I was thinking, okay, what candy had the biggest risk reward? Like what what if you if you got it, it was either going to be really good or really terrible. And I was thinking it was probably those uh, like the payday bars, like the mini payday Mm -hmm. bars, because those. Like it really depends on like were the peanuts good? Was right. the caramel hard by the time you got it? You know, like was the was the candy bar old? Because pay, payday, I feel like it skates a little bit in terms of like its reputation because it's like the only candy with the with the combination of just caramel and peanuts. Right. But but it but it suffers because like Snickers has soft caramel with peanuts and then it also has chocolate and nougat. Right. Um, and you don't really get that with the payday bar. And so like you, you, you would get them and you're like, okay, am I going to be in the mood for this depending on everything else that I'm eating? Yeah. I'm going to go the underground and it, uh, the, uh, the underrated hundred, hundred grand bar is kind of a, yeah, a yeah. relative to payday. Cause I, you know, get the right kind of rice crispy instead of the peanuts, which I always like too. but again, yeah, anything with caramel, just it, it, it could go really bad, really, really quick. Um, except for Twix, for some reason, Twix always seems to, to, to manage to be good. Um, but I love anyway, Twix. Yes. Um, had one today at lunch today. So a couple more questions. Let's do uh, the absolutely random Steve Gatine question of the week. Um, this is Olivia de Havilland versus Joan Fontaine in a fight. Who you got? I, I looked at that question several times. And I was like, <laughs> what, the, what the hell? Like, really? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I get I get where the question came from, obviously. Right. Um, but, but. Man, that's um... and, and, and what's funny is because I did my extensive knowledge of, of of this, which involves reading both of their Wikipedia pages in the hour before uh, Supergirl for those who tonight. Do, for those who don't know, by the way, these are sisters. These are, like the, yes. they're, they're, that's they're, it. Yeah, Joan Fontaine originally her, her last name is De Havilland. So. Right, and uh, actually, I'm going to give this uh, and you know they they were both uh, Academy Award winning actresses. They actually did have like a huge feud for like their their entire adult lives um i'm gonna pick joan fontaine and only because her full name is joan de de beauvoir de havilland that's a that is an all-time aristocratic name you got the beauvoir de havilland winner she wins and she sounds like it sounds like she would have starred in a movie with johnny fontaine from the godfather so i immediately go there so she's gonna have the connection to luca brazzi so i'm giving joan fontaine on at least three cards the win here well here's the, okay so here's the thing a couple <laughs> things um a, a um so joan fontaine um I, I always i always think in feuds you have to measure based upon a couple of different factors one of which is um how often was this person married versus oh, good. the person because because there's a good. there's a feistiness that comes in yes. with that now so olivia de Havilland. Uh, only was married twice. Um, she divorced her her second husband in 1979, and then remained single mm-hmm. uh, for the rest of her life. Um, Joan Fontaine was married four times, and divorced her last husband, her fourth husband, in 1969. Right. Um, so that's, I think, probably a point to Joan Fontaine. However, I think the more overriding point 
Joan Fontaine was born on October 22nd, 1917 and died in December of 2013 at age 96. Right. That's that's a hell of a record, except that Olivia de Havilland is still alive. She was born July 1st, 1916 and has, has, has yet to die. And so I think slightly better genetic structure on Olivia de Havilland, obviously. I'm going to have to I'm going to I'm going to say that outweighs the marriage factor. Uh, I, I would take Olivia de Havilland in, in a in a feud. You know, it is just like you to pick the person who's alive to win the fight. That's such <laughs> that that is such a that's such a you move. I'm also picking I'm I'm thinking with Joe Joan Fontaine because if you go to her Wikipedia page, they have a picture of her at age 2 and she looks like she's about to cut you. You need Yeah, she any, doesn't look she really does. I, I'm looking at the picture. Yeah, she yeah. looks unhappy with with you. Yes, like specifically yeah. with specifically with you. Yes. does not look happy. And, um, yeah. yeah, you know, film wise, I'm, I'm looking. I mean, I, I, you know, not, I, I I don't recall seeing any of either one of their movies, so I'm going to push on that one. You've never seen the Adventures of Robin Hood? Uh, if I have, it was the, the, a long the one with the, the one with Errol Flynn. Oh, I'm sure I have at some point, but I don't recall. I don't remember it enough to. Uh, to, uh, yeah, to give I mean, a score. I, w- I will say I think Olivia de Havilland was was the more accomplished uh, actress. I mean, she right. had you know she won multiple. She won best. Yeah. She won best actress into each his own, mm-hmm. and she was nominated for Gone with the Wind. And um, I mean, you know, she she was a really hot property there in in the 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 forties, basically. Right. I mean, Joe Fontaine had a you know she appeared in some Hitchcock films. Um, you know, so it, it's not like she was a, a you know a, any any slouch. She right. was also on an episode of The Love Boat that that has to count for something. Oh, absolutely, yeah. So, but, uh, uh, so we have two sports related questions. I'm going to let you take one because I figure I'm going to take. I have a lot to say about the other one. No, um, actually, okay. um, we have two sports. Let's do the other culture related one too. Um, from my sister Amy Moritz, who actually does listen. Um, Steve from Stranger Things, just the jerk, or does he have redeeming qualities? I haven't seen the show yet. Okay, um, I won't. I won't say too much because you need do need to see it. You will. It's it'll be right in your wheelhouse. Um, I'll answer. He does have some redeeming qualities, but I'm going to leave it at that. Um, it's worth seeing. It's it's as an Indian. I know. I, I know. It's, it's you know. I haven't finished The Wire, so I'm not a person to talk about you know what you what you have and haven't seen. But um, but 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 worth an worth a week's investment of your time. If you know, with all your free time. Oh my but, free time, yes. Right. So um but yeah, it is absolutely right in your wheelhouse. So um sports question for you, because I have a lot to say about the final uh the final question. Uh, this is from friend of the show, Patrick Walsh. Uh Stanley Cup prediction. Um I'm gonna go Penguins and Blackhawks because I don't really follow hockey super closely anymore. I'm meaning to get back into it, so I'm just gonna pick chalk and seed my time to you. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, God, it's tough. I, I I honestly feel like hockey is is probably the hardest to predict of all of the the leagues. I mean, it is it is it is so particularly. I mean, the, the regular season has very little bearing on things, and um, you know, in baseball, obviously that's the case. And I mean, hell, the Red Sox just got taken out by the Indians as we were as we were podcasting this. Oh, you know, that's so over much, now. Okay. Yeah, it just ended. Yeah, that that series is done. Huh. Um, but but at least you know, generally speaking, going into the season, you have a pretty good idea of who the best teams are going to be. I I will say this. I I think at the end of the day, um, I'm I'm feeling pretty good right now about. Um, 
the Dallas Stars coming out of the West. I feel like they they learned enough last year that they'll they'll be able to put something together. Um, you know, I, I think the Blackhawks will be good. I'm just I worry about the Blackhawks because I mean it's just it's so hard to maintain year after year. And obviously, I mean they weren't able to. Um, you know, they they got knocked out relatively early last year in, in the playoffs. Uh, and I liked what Dallas did. I mean, I like the way that they looked. I think that they they are on a better trajectory than the um, than the than say the I don't know the Blues who who really are going to struggle. I think to to put themselves in a position to to capitalize on on what happened last year. I think the Sharks also look good, uh, but I think I like the Stars coming out of the Western Conference. I think they learned a lot in a year. As far as the Eastern Conference. Yeah, I hate to say it, but I think the Penguins are probably the choice. I mean, you know, the the Capitals are going to be very good. Sure. But um, the Capitals have yet to prove that they can actually win in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. And so I guess Stars, Pens would be my choice. And uh, you know what? I'm going to have to, I guess I'll have to go with the Pens again. I hate to to pick the back-to-back like that, but um, it's... It's a that's a tough team. That's a team yeah. that's got a lot of a lot of grit to it. Um, I, I will say, you know, don't sleep on the Lightning. I, I'm I'm curious to see if the Lightning can recover uh, from their misfortunes towards the end of last year and and put something together. I think they've got the talent too, certainly. Right. So, all right, final question, um, and this is from again friend of the show, Jared Paventi. I had fun. I I I spent a lot of time on this. Rank these Buffalo Bills quarterbacks: J.P. Losman. Trent Edwards, E.J. Manuel, Todd Collins, Rob Johnson, Kelly Holcomb. The way your eyes bugged out of your head is exactly the way every Bills fan has felt for, since these clowns took over as starting quarterbacks. I mean, I know all of the names. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've, I've been, I've been, I've been following along enough to, you know, with the with the Bills and their quarterback travails to at least get a sense of. I, I'm, I mean. Shouldn't Doug Flutie be in this list as well? No, uh, I think I, th- I think the reason you wouldn't is because Flutie was actually somewhat successful with the Bills, and these I mean, are these are kind of the uh, these are the dregs of the Bills I mean, quarterbacks over the past. Rob Johnson almost won a playoff game. See, okay, that 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 fa- <laughs> that factors into my ranking. So I I, 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 I I so I have my rankings here. All right, so of these top quarterback on this list, number one, Trent Edwards, who you're going to laugh, who gets mocked in Buffalo, but. Got him to a four and zero and five and one start in two thousand eight, and he got ruined by a concussion. He was actually yes, he a did. pretty good quarterback, a good, you know, he was the game manager type quarterback, very solid. But he got concussed, and he was just shredded after that. But he got the Bills the, the closest to their playoffs that they've been in probably since Bledsoe, since two thousand four, when uh, when when Bledsoe was quarterback. So I'm going to rank him number one on that one. Number two, Rob Johnson. Now he had the he had the misfortune. He replaced Flutie. On the owner's orders, the owner, Ralph Wilson, made the uh-huh. coaching staff replace Flutie, who had taken this team on a Flutie-esque run, um, super popular, had you know, somewhat popular, I don't know, I forget the, the locker room store dynamics there, but inserted Rob Johnson, and Rob Johnson, not a great quarterback, but he did nearly win a road playoff game. In fact, he won a road playoff game until home, the home run throwback. So, right. aside from that, so you got to give him credit for that. So, Rob Johnson, you know. You know, of these, not bad. Kelly Holcomb is just kind of thrown in there. He had half a season as as a starter in 2005, so we kind of give him an incomplete. He didn't really do anything. Now we get to the fun. All right, JP. So number four on this list is JP Losman. 
Um, let's see. He, I, I looked these up. He has 10 and 23 as a starter, which is abysmal. Um, his quarterback rating was 75.6. And it's funny because he had this reputation and this big arm. And he was like, the, he and Lee Evans were like, you know, always going down. Like he's this, this like gunner reputation. He actually, I, looking at his career stats with Buffalo, he and Trent Edwards had almost identical yards per completion and yards per attempt. And Edwards had this reputation by the time he left town as captain checked down and was never throwing. The and Losman was like the wild gunner. And statistically, they were about even. Um, and Losman, they, it was a big disappointment. They actually gave up a 2005 first round pick to get him. Um, the, uh, the, the year after they traded with the Cowboys. So it's a terrible pick. Um, number five on this list would be Todd Collins. He was the heir apparent to Jim Kelly and, um, only started with the team for a year, uh, got released and it led to the Flutie Rob Johnson era. And I, and I had him higher on this list, but then I looked at his numbers. These are his numbers as a starter, seven and 10, 68.5 compute, uh, right. 68.5 quarterback rating, which is awful, which is, I believe, if not the worst among Bill's starting quarterbacks, and they've had some really bad quarterbacks among the worst. Uh, 16 touch, touchdowns, 19 picks, and 54% completion percentage. I mean, that's, that's truly, really, really terrible. That's truly, yeah. truly terrible. So my, but my, my worst on this is my boy EJ Manuel. Um, <laughs> so here is stats. His stats are not as bad as Todd Collins, which is about the best thing you can say for him. Uh, he's, he's had 16 games as a starter. So full season, 6 and 10, 59% completion percentage, 19 touchdowns, 15 picks, 78.6. Computer, uh, computer. I was saying computer rating, quarterback rating. The problem with I mean, it technically is a computer rating, that's but true. yeah. The the problem and why I, why I, I grade him so badly, why I have him bottom of this list is, so they 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 had Fitz, they had Ryan Fitzpatrick after 2012, and they released him. And Fitzpatrick was he was he's Ryan Fitzpatrick. He is what he is. I always like him a lot more than other people do. And he was six and ten three years as a starter, so he's he, you know he's Ryan Fitzpatrick. He is who he is, but. In terms of competent NFL quarterbacks, you can do worse than Ryan Fitzpatrick, and I give you E.J. Manuel as evidence of this. So he started okay in his first season, but he kind of tailed off. He got hurt, didn't really do much of anything. Um, and, and it's worth noting that the Bills took him. He was the first quarterback taken in 2013, and that was a terrible year for quarterbacks. That was the yes. worst possible year for quarterbacks, and that's what drove me crazy about the pick was, was Fitzpatrick the long-term answer? No. But he would have done better than kind of for, you know, they, they kind of took a quarterback because they felt they had to take a quarterback. And this is what they wind up with. But then the next year is when they doubled down, traded up in the first round, traded away a first round pick to get the Sammy Watkins. Now, I like Sammy Watkins a lot, but they got that move was to make EJ Manuel a good quarterback. And it, so they basically man mortgaged two full drafts on this idiot. And. He's not the, he's, you know, he's never going to start again in Buffalo. Tyrod Taylor's, I don't know, I don't know how good Tyrod Taylor is, but he's, he's better. And he, he's, he's, <laughs> he's better. He's winning games. He's more at the, you know, he's, he's at Kyle Orton level, which got the Bills nine and seven within a game of the playoffs. So best season we've had in 15 years. This is a terrible franchise. Oh my God. Why do I cheer for them? But I was so, I think statistically you got Todd Collins is the worst, but in terms of kind of overall damage to the franchise, it's got to be EJ Manuel. Easy. So, so I'm going to ask you a question um, about this. Mm -hmm. What is it like? 
Um, because I looked at this list and I noticed that there was somebody missing. Okay. And this is a quarterback who um, was seven and five with the team, completed sixty four percent of their passes, and eighteen touchdowns to only ten interceptions. And okay. yet I didn't see them in the list at all. Okay. So I'm wondering in your in your ranking, where would you put Kyle Orton? The, a fear, the fear of the beard. Um, yes. that fear of the neck beard. I would. Are you, kidding? Are you kidding me? Compared to these knuckleheads, he's number one. Compared to these knuckleheads, he's 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 Joe Montana, Johnny Unitas, and Tom Brady combined. Um, I actually really, I always liked having a guy like Kyle Orton. You know, for all the jokes, he's he is a competent NFL quarterback, which sounds like you're damning him with faint praise, but. They went nine and seven with him as starter. You know, they were within, yeah. they were within, they had a bad loss at the Raiders that cost them a playoff, playoff bid, but that's, you know, that's not bad. You know, his retirement was another one of those things that just crushed them. So, um, you know, crushed them. That's so sad. But it, it was, <laughs> it was, you know, it was the, hey, we have another year to develop a quarterback while we have a competent. That's what the Bills just haven't had. You know, forget the fact they haven't had a franchise quarterback. Since Jim Kelly left, because they always talk about that, and that's one of the big debates around the Bills right now, around Buffalo and Western New York, is is Tyrod Taylor going to be the franchise quarterback and not? And I always feel weird about that because I feel like real franchise quarterbacks are just, excuse me, they're a dime, they're 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 really very rare, you know that you know, and, and you can elevate it to like people will convince try to convince you that like Ryan Tannenhill was an was a franchise quarterback or um. You know that 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 level of that level of quarterback and um, and the Bills just haven't had competent, consistently competent play at quarterback over this over this stretch. I mean, that's what Orton gave gave the team for a season. For lack of anything else, the, he was you know and and even Fitz you know that that's the one thing that Fitzpatrick was just kind of like one one st- one step below competence. But he was he was just beat just underneath that level of. All right, we can we 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 can go a season with this guy and not just hate life. So uh, sorry, sorry for all the weird facial reactions, but no. Jake Arietta just hit a three-run home run off of Madison Bumgarner. Oh come on! I swear, <laughs> I swear, I was like, he just he just teed him up and took him out oh to left field. Uh, I, I was, and it was a great stat uh, in this uh, before this before this home run. Cubs pitchers had more RBIs than the Giants in the whole series, uh, and now, now they've got six RBIs to the Giants two total. Like, like the Cubs pitchers have six I, RBIs. So that's, that's uh, great. And what's great is now we can torment every Mets fan that we're friends with. That Jake Arrieta could do what none of your hitters could do. <laughs> he just whacked it out of there too. My God. That's, that's incredible. Well, um, I, uh, so no, on, on the bills thing, I do agree. I think, uh, it's unfortunate. I feel bad for the bills to some degree, although I didn't feel bad. No, they, the bills didn't feel bad for the Colts, for instance, in the late eighties and early nineties. Oh no, no, no. Uh, I, so, so the you know it's like for those of I feel like the generation coming up behind me is going to have a special degree of sympathy for the Bills that right. I will never be able to generate well, because, because you used to be in the division so you used to be a division yeah so yes um so all right that is all the uh, the web questions we have today um keep them coming throughout the week you can tag us on Twitter at hashtag 
Flipside Pod, or we usually put up a call on sometime on either Monday or Tuesday, whichever day we end up recording. And um, and uh, feel free, we will spend at least one minute on on the topic. Um, you know, we get fired up about candy apparently, so if you want to play to our strengths there, go for it. Um, yeah, anything else that you have for uh, for this week? Just one thing. Uh, I don't know if you saw this, but a, a university professor at Arkansas. Um, was uh, arrested for uh, allegedly not uh, yelling the following at Brett Bielema. If I had your record, I'd be fucking fired. Fuck you. <laughs> um, and this guy, apparently, uh, his name is Lawton Maley. He is an associate professor in agricultural economics and agribusiness. Apparently has a pretty legitimate publication record. Well, you know what? He um, wouldn't, he's full of it. He wouldn't, He's an associate professor. He wouldn't get fired if he had that record. He's got tenure. He had to apologize. Oh, good like for, the okay. university made him apologize. Uh, <laughs> but, but he. <laughs> but this is why we have one of the best jobs ever. You can do that's one. Right. I can't do that. You could pull. You could pull it. So now the the, the 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 door is open for when you know Indiana is about you know fourteen and twelve and struggling in the Big Ten this year. I, I would I'm, never. No, no, no. <laughs> I would never. <laughs> anyway, that's all I've got, sir. All right. Thank, well, a- as always, you can find us um, on com. Go to the flip side tab at the top, and you can have show notes and all of our episodes, except for the Lost Two ones. The, the Lost Two, and when we do our box set in about 30 years, we'll release those special for you guys. So, Yeah, those are like the deep basement tapes. <laughs> Literally, since I record in the basement. So. Yeah. All right, so oh, I have well, to. Do, uh, all right, so I get to give. I get. I get to do it. I get to do it. Oh, this is huge. Oh, big moments. All right, for uh, Galen Clavio, I am Brian Moritz. We'll uh, we'll catch you on the flip side. Woo.